Welcome back to the JRM Sydney podcast. This is Pastor Jeff, and this is the last installment of our two-month series, I Am, which we talked about the attributes of God. I pray and I hope that you will be completely blessed and just really empowered as you listen in this last installment of our series on glory, God of infinite beauty and manifold perfection. God bless you and share this message to others. Sunday service that we have. Can we just appreciate our uh, amazing young people, JRM Youth, our Freedom Gen. You did amazing. We are so proud of you guys. And uh, our hearts are just really full, you know, just like uh, uh, maybe your parents are really proud of you, but like us as well. Your pastors, your youth leaders are like, oh, yay. And also, can we just appreciate our worship team, Ate Maileen, for leading us. Uh, Kaya Reggie, Ate Gurley, thank you for just that anointed uh, sense of ushering us in the presence of God and just really magnifying, you know, the glory of God. And precisely that, because that is what we are going to talk about today. Uh, they say, reserve the best for last, isn't it? And uh, I guess for me personally, my opinion the glory of God is the epitome of all God's attributes. You know, this is the last installment of our two-month series. You know, it's been a long journey for us to continue to dig in and discover, you know, the richness and the might of God's attributes. And if you can remember that video clip that we have played at the beginning, that has been the first video clip that we played from the very, very first installment of the series And I hope that as you watch that, there is a a greater sense to what that clip is saying because in the past two months, we have been learning and have been enriched uh, with our understanding and view, high view of our great God. Amen? Amen? So let's go on ahead. Firstly, before I proceed, we just wanted to really congratulate our brother Onin and Sister Charm for... Our new member of the JRM family, Baby OZ, yeah. And this is your uh, the first Sunday service of Baby OZ, right? So welcome to the world, Baby OZ. We can't really, we can't wait to meet you in person. The pictures look so lovely and all that. Now, um, can we uh, continue with this message? We always hear those taglines or those phrases, right? To God be the glory. And uh, we sang that earlier in our worship. Yeah, you deserve the glory. Uh, the verse that we, that's always thrown out there is, uh, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. But what do we really mean by the glory of God? What do we mean by the glory of God? Uh, let me just put a disclaimer at the beginning of this message. I guess no preacher or teacher can really say that you know, we can do a perfect job with regards to preaching or teaching about the glory of God. Because this concept, this theme of the Bible, which is basically interwoven from the very beginning, Genesis, down to Revelation, this is one of the most important and the central uh, attribute of God. And it's not easy to define. You know, we can define hope, we can define joy, we can define, somehow we can define love, we can define faith and all that, 
But glory of God, how can you begin and how can you comprehensively and completely understand that which is beyond understanding? Amen? So this is such a daunting task for me. And I, I encourage you to, uh, you know, just engage with me and just follow along. But this is really something that I wrestled with within this week. And I really prayed hard that you might get it. That you might understand it. With all your understanding, understand this. Because this is what the essence of Christianity is all about. If we understand the glory of God, we understand why we are alive. We understand the meaning and the purpose of living when we begin to understand what the glory of God means. For us to be able to understand this concept, I'd ask you to open your Bibles in Exodus chapter 33, and we will begin reading from verse 12 to 23. This is the account of Moses in his uh, encounter with God on the mountain. And we will read it first to get ourselves familiarized with the story and then later on, we will have a look at the implications of this story with regards to our topic today. So read with me from verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, leave this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Then the Lord replied to Moses, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, this is the important part of the verse, Moses asked the Lord, Please show me now your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the cleft of the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Amen. Can we just pray for a moment and ask the Lord to illuminate His words in our hearts? Hallelujah. Father, we welcome you. We acknowledge your presence in the midst of us. Even if we are not together physically, but Lord, in heart and in spirit, Lord God, we gather. And Lord, in our gathering, Lord God, we know you are in our midst. And we welcome you. Father, as we listen to your word, Lord, speak, Lord. And let it be with clarity that your spirit will illuminate, Lord God, your word, your truth in our hearts. That we may live according to it. Father, even in our listening, be glorified. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Pens out, notebooks out, Bibles out. This is going to be a, uh, you know, I, I'm, stu- I'm studying this this week and I, I feel like, I'm, like something within me is grinding, but grinding in a good sense. So let's ask that question first. What is glory? What is glory? Now, when we talk about Michael Jordan or LeBron James, we identify these people as the greats in the area of the field of basketball, right? They are the glorious players of basketball. When we say uh, Roger Federer or Djokovic and uh, Serena Williams, these are the greats in the field of tennis. They have gained or achieved glory in the field of tennis. We can talk about the artists such as, uh, what are the artists? Da Vinci, Vincent van Gogh, what else? Um, yeah, who painted Mona Lisa? Yeah, Da Vinci. I said that already. <laughs> so we can talk about all these great painters and artists, and we can say that they have gained or achieved glory in terms of their work. So human glory normally is related to what they have done or what they have achieved. And people do that. Men are seekers of glory. We try to climb up the ladder of success because human beings long for glory, accolades, praises of men. So what they have done or what they have achieved somehow leads to a definition of who they are. And when we say the process of honoring or paying homage and recognition to someone who has achieved something great, that's basically giving glory to that person. So we just recently uh, concluded the Olympics and we had golden medal, go, a gold medal for the Philippines and that player kind of achieved glory for having a golden medal in that round. So that's what human beings uh, seek for in a sense, you know, glory. But the glory of God is quite different. You know, the glory of God is not achieved or proven. The glory of God is what we call intrinsic. It's in His nature. God is not glorious because He has achieved or done something glorious or did great. God has done glorious things because He is glorious. Are you with me? The glory of God is quite different. And it's it's a complex thing to describe, but the Bible gives us a glimpse and somehow a picture of how God somehow reveals His glory in His creation. So let's just go through some of the definitions that I think will be helpful for us to have a framework of this uh, concept of the glory of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a preacher and a Bible scholar, says this of the glory of God. The glory of God is something which no man can define. The glory of God is, is, is His essential and ultimate attribute. It means His greatness, His splendor, His majesty. And then the real trouble with all of us humans is that we don't know God. We can't comprehend the glory of God because basically we don't know God. The glory of God, have you ever thought of it? And then the next uh, definition comes from John Piper. He's a, a present-day uh, preacher and Bible scholar and pastor as well. And he says, I like this definition, he says, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. 
the infinite beauty, and, and I am focusing on the manifestation of His character and His worth and His attributes. All of His perfections and greatness are beautiful as they are seen, and there are many of them. So, now, the, the glory of God is closely associated with that word, basically, beauty and perfection. Those two are kind of separate attributes of God in itself, beauty and perfection. But the glory of God is the magnificence of all His attributes combined together and working together perfectly and beautifully. It's like an orchestra, a complicated orchestra of many parts, but then you hear a sound that's complicated and yet at the same time united, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's mesmerizing. It's very difficult to describe beauty, isn't it? They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. How do you define beauty? How do you define beauty? And it's, that's, that's closely related to that word, glory. Uh, let me have my own <laughs> definition, summary of a definition of the glory of God. And I would say that it is the radiance of His infinite beauty and the manifold perfections of all His attributes. Now, the glory of God is all His invisible character made visible. The glory of God is visible. God wants humanity, God wants His creation to behold His glory. He wants to reveal His glory. In fact, the glory of God is the, the goal of God, if we can say. It is, the, it is the end goal. It's the ultimate purpose of God, to reveal, to shine, to reflect His glory. Amen? You with me? Let's look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. And it says here, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Look at this. The whole earth, think of the whole earth right now. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, if you come to think of that, the whole earth is full of His glory, then why do we not have a sense of awe if it is full of His, of his glory? In other words, God, you know, the, the earth displays the glory of God. The earth is an exhibit. You know, if a, there's an artist, a painter, and then he has like masterpieces and artworks, he would put up a, a, an exhibit of that artwork and uh, all his paintings. The earth is kind of, not just the earth, but the universe rather, is the exhibit of God's glory. It is the exhibit of God. He's displaying his masterpiece. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare, when you look up in the sky, either uh, sunrise or sunset, or even at the dark of night when the stars are all shining bright and there's a Milky Way outline in that, in that midnight sky, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of His hands. Are you with me so far? Let's have a look at this. You know, I, I, some, I just want to show you some photos. This is the current, I think this is the current seven natural wonders of the world. It says the, the earth displays the glory. The, the, earth, the world is full of the glory of God. Let's have a look. The first photo here is, guess what that is? 
What is it? Hey, uh, put in the chat box, you know, the comments. Guess what that is? That's the Northern Lights. The Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis in Norway. Look at that. The heavens declare the glory of God. Who made that? That's not just accidental. That's designed. That's designed. The glory of God proclaiming, shouting, screaming, look at my beauty. The next photo, guess what this is? This is quite popular. This is the Grand Canyon in Arizona, USA. The Grand Canyon. You know, if, if you get lost in the Grand Canyon, I don't know if you've watched that movie, 27 Days, I think. 27 Days. Um, if you get lost in the middle, if, if, a, if you dro a helicopter, helicopter drops you in the middle of that Grand Canyon, oh, good luck. <laughs> Finding your way, you know. This is a photo, obviously, but when you are in the midst of it, you know, us, we are chasers of beauty. Humans are chasers of beauty. No wonder we love holidays. We want to go to the beautiful beach. We want to go to the blue mountains. We want to go, uh, you know, all these beautiful sceneries because we want, to, we want to feel exhilarated. We want to feel in awe. We want to be amazed, you know. We, we want to see beauty and let it, you know, uh, what do you call that? Jaw-dropping. Uh, catch, what do you call that? You're breathtaking, jaw-dropping, breathtaking beauty. And when you're in, when you're in a place, uh, one of the experiences I've had is when uh, we went to Tasmania. You know, there's a lot of beautiful places in Tasmania. And every spot that we went there, it's just, you know, jaw-dropping, breathtaking. Wow! It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Who here loves uh, sightseeing? You love sightseeing? I do, I do. The next picture here is, it's not Taal Volcano. <laughs> it's Paricutin uh, Mountain, or I think it's a volcano as well, in Mexico. The next one, this is, I, I want to see this in person. Like, this is one of the things I want to see in person. You know what that is? That's the Victoria Falls. The borders of Zambia, and that Victoria Falls is a border of two nations. Wow, isn't it? God's design. Amazing. This one is popular. The next one. This is uh, obviously Mount Everest. The border again of two nations, Nepal and China. Uh, Tibet. Tama. Na Nepal and China. That's right. And then this one. This one. Guess what this is? What is this? You know what this is? You should. It's here in Australia. The Great Barrier Reef, it's one of the seven wonders of the world. It's in Queensland, one of the target destinations that I want to see as well. And then last but not the least, this one is um, in, in, in Rio de Janeiro, the harbor of Rio de Janeiro. You know, um, look at this. All this mesmerizing beauty of creation. And then the Bible says, the earth is full of His glory. The skies declare the glory of God. Now, if this creation is a reflection or a mere fraction of the beauty of God, then how beautiful is God? Are you, are you with me? Like, this is a fraction, like a, a 0.00.1 or whatever like that. <laughs> a decimal. 
to the grandness and the beauty of the majesty of God. If this creation came out as an expression of the glory of God, then how glorious is God? If this creation is glorious, how glorious is God? If you want to see this glorious creation, then how much more do we want to see the glorious God? Are you with me? Are you with me? Human beings cannot live without seeing beauty. We are seekers of beauty. I've said this earlier, you know, that the chief purpose and end of everything that God does is to reveal His glory. From the time of creation, God does everything to reveal and proclaim His glory. You know, creation, He created everything to reflect His glory. Everything was created by Him, for Him, to Him. Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse says that. Um, and, and God's end in all His acts, in everything that He does, in everything that takes place in history, whether we understand it or not, the answer is so that God will be glorified. So if you, you uh, put a question, what is dot, 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 and then the answer will be so that God will be glorified. You remember a time when the disciples asked Jesus, oh, why is this man blind? Is he born blind? Did, did the parents made, uh, were sinful? Maybe the parents were sinful or something like that. And then uh, Jesus basically said to them, neither. You know, Jesus said, this happened so that I can reveal my glory. Everything is for the revelation of His glory. Now, that might sound to be, you know, God to be egotistical God or arrogant or prideful God, but He's not. You know, when a human being lives for his or her glory, like, look at me, I'm so amazing. <laughs> look at me, I'm so great. That's arrogant. That's prideful. That's boastful. And if you live for your glory, uh, that's too small a purpose to live for. But God has all the right to live for His glory. Because if He will not glorify Himself, then who is He going to glorify? There is no one higher than Him. Are you with me? So God's purpose for everything He does. Now, this might sound difficult to hear, but the most important thing for God is His glory. I was once asked this when I was in the youth ministry uh, by our youth pastors. And they said, oh, what's the most important thing to God? And I said, me? <laughs> I am the most important thing to God because He died on the cross for me. Right? Am I the most important thing to God? We are important to God. We are loved by God. But the most important thing to God is His glory. And His saving us glorifies Him. And it is His glory, actually, that saved us. Amen? Now, are you with me? You're understanding what I'm saying? Amen. So let's explore this word, glory. The, the, the Hebrew word is kabod. Kabod, that's why we hear the word ikabod. Ikabod is the glory has departed. And kabod is the word glory. That's the Hebrew word. The, the Greek word is doxa. And basically both has the same connotation. The literal meaning of kabod is heaviness or weight. 
And the uh, metaphorical meaning of this is it pertains to importance or reputation or majesty. Let me just illustrate. In our, in our Filipino language, we have uh, an expression. We say, oh, bigatin. Right? Bigatin, no? <laughs> not, not, not physically weight, right? But bigatin in terms of, siguro mayaman, no? Some, maybe rich or maybe popular or maybe influential, maybe is a politician. You know, that is the weight or the heaviness of a person. In the ancient times, when it, uh, the emperor or a king or a, a mighty military leader, it's basically saying that that person has glory or weight. You know, when for example, in a room like this, if the prime minister enters that door, you sense the weight of his presence. Like everyone would be like, oh, prime minister, you're here. There's a weight to the presence of that person because that person has what? Reputation. He has importance. He has majesty. You with me? So that's the essence of the word kabod. Now, when God walks in a room... When God walks in a room, there is weight. There is that sense, substantial sense of His awesome presence. When you enter the presence of God in your personal devotion, when you enter into your prayer closet, and you have that sense in your spirit that you're entering into the presence of majesty, you know, there's that, the weight of His presence. Amen? And that's not just felt when you enter inside a church building, you can actually, that the wonderful thing about it is you can access that, that sense of God's presence and glory. Amen? In Psalm 29, verse 3, it says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Glory is the overall descriptive identification of God in the Scriptures more than anything else. From Old Testament to New Testament, God is mentioned to be the God of glory. The God of glory. And also the, 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 the character, the nature of the glory of God is that He is glorious in everything. Now, human beings can be glorious in one thing, and not glorious on the other. Like, you can, uh, you can, you can say that, uh, oh, yeah, glorious, singing, vocal, capability, yeah, amazing, glorious. But let her paint. Let her paint. Is it still glorious? <laughs> uh, maybe not. <laughs> right? Kuya Onin, wow, glorious, giling mag-gitara, yeah, wow. Pasayawin mo. <laughs> Pasayawin mo. Right? Let him dance. <laughs> well, you can be glorious in one thing and embarrassing in the other thing. But God's glory is glorious in everything. There's nothing about God that is embarrassing. or that, There's nothing about God that's, that's not perfect. That's not beautiful. And that's the God that we serve. The reason why we worship Him. Because, oh wow, how amazing. How beautiful is this God? Amen? So let's explore this. The glory of God is described in a sense in the Bible and how it's being expressed or how it's being uh, um, uh, displayed in a sense. So the first one, as I mentioned earlier, that it is intrinsic. Now, we don't have to dwell on this 
this, this concept because intrinsic just basically means that it's non-dependent and it's, it's self-defined. It's natural for God to be glorious. He doesn't have to achieve or do, do anything to be glorious. He is glorious. It's like wet is to water and hot is to fire. Like you cannot make water wet. It's already wet. <laughs> it, it cannot make fire hot. It's already hot. You cannot, you cannot give fire heat. That's weird. You cannot give uh, the sky blue because it's already blue. It's the essence of being the sky. So the, the essence of being God is that He is glorious. And although we use the terms give glory to God, we don't really give glory to God because God is already glorious. What we actually mean by that is to bring back the glory to God because it belongs to Him. We don't give God glory. He is already glorious. It just means we are reflecting His glory. That is, that is His all along. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying there? Um, I love watching AGT. Uh, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent. I love watching that. Um, one of my favorite shows. And the reason why I love watching it is because there are many different talents that people are, you know, parading and really showcasing in that talent show. And each talent is unique and different from each other. It's not just a singing contest where everyone sings. It's a different kind of talent. And for me, as I watch the America's Got Talent, I see a reflection of God's glory. A unique ability, a unique talent, a unique capability that God gave for each human being on the planet Earth. Sadly though, when the person uh, showcases his talent, obviously when it's brilliant, it's amazing, the people are going standing ovation. <laughs> glory to you! Glory to you! Glory to you! And very rarely would you see a contestant that says, glory to God. Because he's the God who gave me this talent. That's why recently the uh, contestant in America's Got Talent, if you haven't watched it, the Night Birdie. Have you seen that girl? Night Birdie. She, she was a cancer patient and she sang and she was a songwriter. And, and you know, uh, as a result of that, a lot of people followed her. Because it's not just the songwriting or the singing capability that really captured the hearts of millions of people. It's, 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 his it's her story. And... The reason why she actually joined AGT is for one purpose only. Not just to showcase her talent, but to testify of the grace and the goodness of God. She's a Christian. And basically, she's basically saying in all her videos and Instagram, God is the God who's enabling me to stand and all that. And that's a beautiful thing to behold. Us ministers in the church, worship leaders, preachers, you know, we... We, we come here, we stand on the platform, lights on, and everyone's attention might be on us, but we don't have a glory of our own. Our sole purpose is to reflect the glory of God, that people may worship Him and see Him for who He is, not to see us. That's why our prayers always hide us, Lord. Hide us in the shadow of Your cross because we want people to see You, not us. We are just instruments of your glory. I want to give glory to God. Amen. Are you with me? You're with me? Yes? Number two is ascribe. The first one is intrinsic. And uh, the second one is ascribe. This is very similar to what I'm already saying. 
in Psalm 29, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Amen? In one sense, you know, God's glory is the superlative honor that everything in the universe should give to God. And that's exactly what I was pointing out earlier. To ascribe glory to God means to give God glory, to bring back the glory that is Jewish name. Isaiah 42 verse 8. And this is a very uh, important verse. Um, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. The glory of God He will not give to another, and His praise to any carved images. God is not tolerant to when His glory is challenged. That is why He hates idolatry. Idolatry simply means we are giving glory to the created rather than the creator. So whatever it is that we worship that is created, that's idolatry. Idolatry, um, the worship of anything and everything less than God Himself, that's what idolatry is. The, the worship of anything and everything less than God Himself. So, as I've said earlier, you know, human beings, especially when we were not yet in the Lord and we did not have an encounter with God, we did not understand the grace of God in our fallenness. What we chased was our own glory, isn't it? We are glory chasers. But the glory of human beings, it fades. It fades. You can be the most famous, most successful beauty queen, Miss Universe. Glorious, right? Who is uh, Pia Wurstbach? <laughs> or, ano ba yung pangalan nun? Si, ha? Catriona Gray. Oh, yeah. Mga sinusundan ng mga, uh, mga kababaihan and all that. But like, bilangan natin 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, beauty queen ka pa rin ba? <laughs> The glory of human beings, it fades. If you're an athlete, you can be the top of the line, tennis player, you know, runner, swimmer, but it fades. There will come a point where you'll not get the gold anymore. The glory fades. Every actor and every actress, every celebrity chases after glory, and then there will come a point when the sun sets and they're no longer known the glory fades. That's why if you live for your own glory, that's too small a purpose to live for. The only thing that counts is to live for the glory of God. That your life to ascribe the glory of God. Yeah? Um, yeah, that's, that's, you know... After a generation, say, for example, 40 years, everyone who has achieved in the last 40 years in all fields of life, most of them, if not all of them, have been forgotten. 
But if you live for God, you know, a person who lives for God makes a difference to the generations to come. And he is not forgotten. He might be forgotten by the next generations to come, but he will never ever be forgotten by God himself. Hey, what do you live for? What do you live for? We live to reflect the glory of God, and that's our third point. The Bible tells us that every creation is created to reflect the glory of God. It's like a mirror. A mirror. It's like the moon reflecting the light of the sun. The moon doesn't have its own light, but it reflects the glory and the radiance of the sun to the earth. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Here's the wonderful news. Hey, you guys. For those who are children of God, surrendered to His will, surrendered to the Lord, and has a relationship with God, children of God, that though God, as we read in Isaiah, does not share His glory to any other, but this glory He reflects to His sons and daughters. Look at that. The same image is being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It means that, you know, the glory of Jesus, the glory of Jesus is His character. The glory of Jesus is, is His identity, right? The glory of Jesus, and that's, being, that's been imparted unto us. The communicable uh, attributes of God is being increasingly imparted unto us so that we can reflect those attributes into the world. And that we were being transformed, you know, uh, from one degree of glory to another. Because like before, before you're a gossiper, and now the Lord is transforming you and changing you, and that's one degree of, of glory. Before you're arrogant and prideful and boastful, but the Lord has been teaching you humility, and that's a degree of glory. Before you're selfish and greedy, but now you became Christian, you became a gen- you're becoming a generous, selfless person. That's one degree of glory. Are you with me? Are you with me? God made us to reflect His glory. You know, Paul tells us that even in, in this verse, that there isn't... God is basically, the, 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 another picture of glory in the Scripture is that it's, it's light. It's the radiance of God. And that's why this word is, is being used in the Bible, reflection of God's glory. And uh, so, like a mirror, for example, if I'm holding a mirror here, I should have brought a mirror, right? If I'm holding a mirror here, it will reflect that light back. You know, it will bounce that light. But what if that mirror has a smudge on it? What if that mirror has, you know, marks and maybe a cover? It wouldn't. It wouldn't reflect the light if that mirror is smudged. Now, most people alive today won't define their existence to be, you know, if you ask people, why are you alive? Why are you alive? You rarely will you find people answering, I'm alive to reflect God's glory. Even among Christian circles, 
I am alive to be a successful businesswoman. I'm alive to be the best doctor in the world. Or I'm alive because I am going to be the one who's going to be the president of the Philippines. Oh yeah, those are functions. I'm, gonna, I'm alive because I'm, I'm going to be the, the greatest mother of my children, right? Those are functions, yeah? Those are roles. Those are things that you do. But that's not the sole reason why God chose you to be alive in this generation. We are created for God's glory. Amen? Everyone say in the chat box, I am created for God's glory. Anyone, everyone who's with me here in the room, can you say with me, I am created for God's glory. <laughs> I still don't get used to a room that is empty. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, reflected glory. Now, humans who are not living for the glory of God, don't know why they are here. Why they are alive. The Bible defines sin as the interruption of the reflection of God's glory. That's the picture that I was saying earlier, the mirror with smudges on it. It will not fully reflect the light, right? Sin detracts from glory. It steals God's glory. That's why in Romans 3.23 it says, what does it say? What does Romans 3.23 say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It just basically means all men have sinned, have smudges, dirt, blockade, block, block, a barrier on that mirror so that they don't reflect the glory of God. They don't, just like what we said earlier, does not have a an increasing degree of God's glory. For all have sinned, smudged, dirt, vandalized by sin. And that's the reason why God needed to cleanse us, needed to purify our hearts from sin so that we can once again reflect the glory of God. You and I are created to be um, what I would say uh, to reflect God's glory. It's like you are called to be a divine Ad advertisement, advertiser, advertisement. You're an advertisement of God. You're a, a signpost that points to Jesus. You're a signpost that points to the glory of God. You're, you're an advertisement. When you watch an advertisement, the person in that commercial, he's not advertising himself. He's advertising something, right? He's pointing to something. Hey, you have to buy this, blah, blah, blah. He's not saying, buy me, buy this. So we Christians, we are also, the church is supposed to be like an ad agency of God to proclaim the glory of God, to point people to Jesus, to point people to the majesty and the beauty and the glory of God. It's, it's you being a child of God saying to everyone, hey, look how amazing my God is. Look how loving my God is. Look how gracious my, my God is. His glory, the glory of His grace, the glory of His goodness, the glory of His power, the glory of His wisdom, the glory of His infinity, the glory of His holiness. Look at how glorious my God is. No Christian would say, hey, look how amazing I am. You don't get the point if that's your life. We are to be God's divine advertisements. Yeah? We should point to God. We should point to God. What are you advertising? What are you advertising? You, because you are. You are advertising. Every day you are advertising something. 
Every day you are pointing at something. What's in your social media pages? What are you posting there? I mean, it's, it's not bad to post about yourself. Don't get me wrong, right? But would people have a glimpse of Jesus when they look at you? And I'm not saying you living a very perfect life without any failure, any flaw. Because the Bible actually says that we are this earthen vessels. In first, second, I think that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are this earthen vessels. We are jars of clay. And the majesty of the glory is what's inside of us. We are these vessels, you know. The most important thing about us is what's inside of us. And that's the glory of God. Amen? You know, when you, when you order pizza, you know, pizza delivery, you can order oh, margarita. Oh, nice. Love it. Um, and then the delivery guy comes to your door and then bring, has, I, I got this illustration from Jensen Franklin. I love this illustration. He said, the delivery guy uh, knocks onto your door and then you open the door and the pizza is in the hand of the delivery guy. It's like, here's your pizza. Will you eat that? <laughs> the pizza needs a box. It needs a box. That's the container. But when you order the pizza, you're not really after the box. You're after what's inside the box. What blesses you is the pizza inside the box, not the box itself. The box just carries the pizza. We are carriers of God's presence in this world. This world does not necessarily need you, but needs what's inside of you, God. We are to advertise. When the advertisement of the pizza, it doesn't advertise the box. Hey, buy this pizza and you'll get this box. Right? No. The pizza is being advertised. God is the essence. We are the containers. And that's not to demean us. <laughs> Such an honor for God to dwell and live in us. Who are we? Who are you that God would choose to live here? This broken vessel, this broken, this, this earthen jar, the glory of the majesty choosing, the grandeur of heaven, the price, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the owner of the universe choosing to dwell in the heart of a man like you. Wow. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's, it's about God. It's about the glory of God. Are you with me so far? Amen? Woo! Sorry, this verse is wrong, but basically it says there, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's not Romans 3.23. That's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory. What does it mean by that? What does it mean to eat or drink for the glory of God? It means that in everything that we do, even the simplest thing, in every single day of our lives, we acknowledge that we can never actually do that if God has not allowed His glory to manifest. 
It means that God's manifestation of glory, we are dependent on the manifestation of God's glory. Do you know that? Everything that we have is borrowed from God. Everything that we have, the drink and the food, <laughs> even the ability to drink and the ability to, to eat, it's, it's borrowed from God. Are you, I want you to see this. God reveals His glory not just for showcase sake. God reveals His glory because it benefits His creation. Every time the sun comes up in the morning, that is a display of God's glory. God is saying, hey guys, here is my glory. Every time the sun comes up in the morning, God is displaying His glory. And He's displaying His glory and everyone benefits. What if God takes a day off? Day off muna ako. And then the sun doesn't go up that day. What if the display of God's glory, the manifestation of God's glory is intermittent. <laughs> Every three weeks lang siguro magsurise yung sun. Hindi <laughs> ko muna papaikutin yung earth, pagod na ako. <laughs> what if God takes a day off? God reveals His glory, it benefits His creation. That's why when you eat or you drink, you do it all for the glory of God. Why? Because God, thank you, because you're so consistent. You're so consistent that I can eat and drink today. You're so consistent that the sun has, rise, has risen today. You're so consistent that there is a balance of air, of oxygen, carbon dioxide right now. You're so consistent, God. And you know, the reason why God has been mostly underappreciated is because He is so consistent. We don't, we don't thank God for the sun anymore. We don't thank God for the oxygen we breathe. It's the consistency of God, isn't it? You know, when, when we become over-familiar with our wife or with our husband, and they are consistent with what they do, there comes a point where you don't thank them anymore. Because it's expected, right? You don't appreciate them anymore. But what if they stop? What if they stop doing what they are doing? All of a sudden, you find yourself in trouble. What if God stops revealing His glory? You with me? Hey, are, we're going somewhere, somewhere here. I, I, I know we're uh, running short of time. Um, the, last, the, 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 the last two ones is that manifested. So again, the sun, um, the sun is a picture of that. He manifests his glory. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 4. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand. And there is the hiding of His power. So God's glory is described to be the bright light that surrounds His presence. It's pictured as the light of God. When the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them. You remember that? In Bethlehem, the transfiguration scene in Matthew chapter 17, the bright light, you know, that has almost blinded Peter, James, and John. And then the heavenly city in Revelation 21-23, the heavenly city pictures that there will no longer be a sun. It's no longer needed because the glory of God will be the light. It will be the light that will never end. And there will be no night there as, as Revelation 21-23 says. You know, if you look at the, the sun, for example, we are very, very dependent on the sun. Amen? We are very dependent on the sun. Imagine if one day the sun does not rise. It will be very difficult. But the sun, it's, 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 it's far away, but it benefits us all. And, you know, that we need it. The sun is self-generating. It's similar to the, to the glory of God. It's self-generating. It doesn't really need external kind of force to, 
keep it pumping and keep it bright. It's self-generating. It's, it's, it's 93 million miles away. And it says, I'll just give you some trivia. If you take the airplane, if you take a plane, it will take you 17 years to reach the sun. <laughs> if you take the car from the earth to the sun, it will take you 200 years to reach it. <laughs> So what? Bakit mo sinasabi yan, uh, Pastor Jeff? So, another trivia is that uh, you can fit 185 Earths inside the sun. That's how big the sun is. 185 Earths. And God said, I made that. I made that sun. And the sun is just one of the tiny stars out of the billion of stars in the universe. The glory of God and the, the sun is a blazing, scary, hot, you know, ball of fire. And even if you want to come near it, you can't because you'll die. You will die. And that's the essence of Exodus 33 earlier when we were bred that no one can see my face and yet live. The glory of God is so majestic. Look at the picture of this sun right here. Look at that. <laughs> Scary. Beautiful, but scary. The glory of God's like that. It's beautiful. But it's terrifying as well. It's mesmerizing, but oh the majesty the, the sun does not have to shout to say, ah, look at how powerful I am or how glorious I am. It just has to, to be there. It's displayed the, the, a parcel, a, a fraction of the glory of God. We call it the sun. I was once asked, how would you de describe to a five-year-old the concept of the glory of God? And I, I would like to use the, this sun as an illustration. If you have kids, for example, how would you describe the glory of God to your children? To Ben Ben, to Skylar, to Kendrick. Yeah. How would you describe the or even to DJ, <laughs> seven-year-old, eight-year-old? How would you describe the glory of God to a child? Um, let me use three ways to describe the glory of God. The size, the size of God, the value of God, and then the beauty of God. And look at the sun, the size of it. Now, from far away, it looks small. Actually, you can't look directly on it. But, the, you know, to appreciate the, the bigness of it, you have, normally, we just have to come closer. There are two ways to magnify glory by microscopic magnifying it or coming closer the, the sun is so big so like when you describe to the children you know uh, the bigness of god it's so big it's so big very 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 big you know if they come to uh, uh, a, a, a museum where like dinosaurs are and then they stare at a brontosaurus wow so big majestic glorious the second one is its, its value. You cannot live without the sun. It's very, very important. It's very, very important. Say, for example, if you ask a kid, like, for example, <laughs> sorry, Onin, I love you. <laughs> so, if I ask Skylar, hey, do you want to swap your daddy with Bino? Bino is bigger than your daddy. <laughs> you want to swap? Skylar would say, no, no, I will keep my daddy. I love my daddy. I won't swap my daddy to anyone else. Why? Because your daddy is valuable to you. doesn't matter what size he is or how it looks like. 
the value of your dad. <laughs> Love you, Anin. <laughs> um, this, the value of your father, it's, you cannot exchange it with anyone else. How valuable is God for you? Will you exchange the value of God to the wealth of the world? To everything that the world offers you? If the world offers you, hey, can we swap your father with what I offer? How valuable. The glory of God is his value. And then the third one is his beauty. The beauty of God. It's beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. The glory of God. He is very beautiful. Amen? Let's close with this. The dwelling of God. The, the dwelling glory. We call it Shekinah glory. And in many parts of the scriptures, it says the glory of the Lord appeared. The, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, the dwelling, the coming, the, the, the presence of that glory. It is felt. It's not just seen. It's not beheld. It's felt. It's felt. It is dwelling. It's present. And then in Second Chronicles 5.14, it says that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. It is felt. When you feel the presence of God, especially when the weight of that glory is in the room, you can't help but kneel down in awe and be amazed. And you're speechless. And you're just, you know, it's more than just jaw-dropping and breathtaking. The glory of God is felt. And look at this. God wants His glory to dwell. And this is also the same prayer that, that Moses prayed when we read earlier in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 to 19. Moses said, please show me your glory. He says, basically, Lord, the presence, your presence, dwell with us, your people. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Uh, now, look at this. The prayer of Moses is that, because we have to understand that before this part of Moses praying to God for for God to show me your glory. I don't need anything else. Just show me your glory. The part is that before this prayer happened, God was, you know, as you know, the, the Israelites were very stiff-necked, stubborn people, and very idolatrous. And again and again, uh, he, they, they have betrayed and been unfaithful to God. And God said to Moses, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with the people. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to take my hands off. And then basically, the intercession of Moses is that, what would the other nations say if you abandon us? What would the, would the other nations say if you abandon us? And then God said to, to, to Moses, if you read earlier on, he said, I will send my angel. You can still go towards the promised land, and I will send my angel. I will send my angel to go. And then Moses said, no, an angel is not enough. An angel is not enough. I want your presence. I want your presence to go with us. There's no one else that could suffice. And then, basically, God makes more promises to Moses and basically kind of a, a, a barter, an agreement with Moses. And assurances and promises, provisions. God says, I will provide you this. I'll provide you that. God says to Moses. But Moses says, the provisions are not enough if the provider is not there. You're with me? Are you getting this? The Moses, the Moses prayer is show me your glory. 
show me your glory. Show me your glory. Last week, we talked about Solomon. Solomon was asked, what was your wish? And he asked wisdom. For Moses, his prayer was, your glory. Your very presence. Your manifest presence. Nothing else is more important than your presence. That's basically what Moses is saying here. You know, you know that you are right with God and you've finally understood what Christianity is. When you don't ask for things that God can give anymore, but you ask for God Himself. That the provision is not enough if the provider is not there. That healing is not enough if the healer is not there. That you want God, your presence. I don't know with you, but I grew up, you know, my dad, he's a generous dad. He sends gifts, he provides for us. But while I was growing up, there came a point that I said to myself, I don't need the things that my dad provides. I need my dad. I, my dad can give me everything, gifts, provisions, whatsoever. But what I want is God. What I want is my dad. It's kind of like what Moses is saying here. God, you can give anything. You can make promises. You can send angels. You can perform miracles. But that's all of that. Secondary, you can give me blessings, blessings, blessings. Many Christians are just praying, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. But not very rarely, very few Christians would say, Lord, the blessings, secondary, the blesser, you, you, you are what I want. Show me your glory, show me you're with me, show me you're gonna, gonna be with us, show us that you're gonna be in every step of the way now, now Moses already saw the glory of God it's not that he hasn't seen the glory of God if you remember he saw the glory of God the burning bush it was an encounter with the glory of God he saw the glory of God with the ten plagues in, in Egypt he saw the glory of God when they were passing and crossing the, the Red Sea with the dry ground on foot he saw already the glory of God. But for Moses, God, those were past experiences. I want the now. I want the now. Now, many Christians have settled for the past encounters. Many Christians have said, oh, those old good, day, good, good old days. Oh, you know what? When I had an encounter with the Lord in 2005, that was a brilliant, amazing encounter and experienced the glory of God. That was 2005. What about now? Somehow the enemy has tricked us in believing that we can just do our Christian life with the cruise control on and just being satisfied with the ordinary when God wants us, God wants us to experience the extraordinary. When was the last time you asked God to show you His glory? When was the last time that you asked God for a powerful encounter with Him? 
And the wonderful thing about this account in Exodus 33 is that Moses was not in a church congregation. He was not surrounded by musical instruments and a, a crescendo of music that gives him goosebumps. Sometimes Christianity becomes like a ride of the hype of music or activities or whatsoever. He was one-on-one -on -one with God. The wonderful thing about this is that God avails Himself to reveal His glory to us even in our personal time with Him. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hey, church, talk to me. Talk to me. Amen. Just think about it for one moment. God wants you to experience His glory. Moses could have asked about many things. Lord, this Israelite, stubborn people, stiff-necked, would you just make them behave? Or Lord, we have so many enemies, would you just defeat our enemies and then we will be okay? Moses could have asked many things, but he asked one thing. Show me your glory. Amen. I'll close with this passage right here. I guess what I'm trying to say really at the end of all this is, is that question that is, is lurking in my heart and my mind to ask you, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry and thirsty for? Because what you are hungry and thirsty for, that's what you're going to ask. That's what you're going to chase. That's what you're going to pursue. What are you hungry for? Now the world that we live in right now is full of darkness. Bad news, left, right, and center. Darkness is all around. The glory of God is light. The glory of God. There could be very, very dark scenarios that surround us, but a person who has the light of the glory of God shining in his heart and beholding that glory. You know what? Here's the thing. Blind people... Even if there is bright light, they won't be able, be able to see it. And here's the thing as well. Even there, if there's bright light, if you're sleeping, if you're sleeping, your eyes are shut, your eyes are closed, you won't see the light. So there are only two ways for you to witness or to see God's glory. For God to heal the blindness of your heart or for you to wake up. For you to wake up. Let's read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. No, the, the glory of Christ, which is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory 
displayed in the face of Christ. Church, can you honestly say that the light shines in your hearts? That the light of God is shining in your hearts and gives you the light of the knowledge of God's glory? If, if, if you're a Christian and the cross still doesn't make sense to you, let me suggest maybe, maybe this is a prayer that you have to pray. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see the glory. The glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. So what is the glory of Christ? It says there, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now, we can say that the glory of Christ, that is His character, or we can say that the glory of Christ is those are the miracles He has performed, or you know, the, the wisdom of, of Jesus while He was teaching, uh, all His teachings and parables, that's the glory of God. But, but Jesus Himself refers to Him, to His, to his glory. This, this, this puzzles my mind. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and he was pertaining here about his crucifixion shouldn't jesus said dapat ang sinabi ni jesus the hour has come for the son of man to be crucified but jesus was pertaining to his crucifixion this way the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified his crucifixion was his greatest glory the greatest expression of His glory, and you and I are beneficiaries of it. If He's not gonna display His glory on the cross, and the glory that He's displaying on the cross is the glory of His love for you and me, the glory of redemption. We are beneficiaries of God displaying His glory. Are you with me? Are you getting this? I really pray in my heart that the light of God will shine in your heart that you will understand what this means. Jesus dying on the cross is His glorification. Glorification because it's, it results to the salvation of the world for those who will believe in Him. And when you believe in Him, that smudge on that mirror will be cleansed and will be erased. And once again, many more will reflect the glory of God into this dark world. Your salvation, your redemption, your, your, your deliverance, you know, you taking you out from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the light of God and you reflecting that light, that glorifies God. You can once again say, praise the Lord. You can once again say, ascribe greatness to our God. You can once again say, worship Him. He deserves the glory because He has rescued me. Wow. I'll call on the worship team to come up here. I'll close. One last verse. Jesus. Jesus. We worship Jesus because Hebrews 1, 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. See that? Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is beautiful beyond words. Oh. Jesus is breathtaking, jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring, infinitely beautiful in His manifold perfection. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We worship Jesus. He is glorious.
Amen? So, come on. Let's worship the Lord. Come up just behind me, my. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. May it be our prayer as well. Show me now your glory. May we not settle for the things that was in the past, but press on. Like Paul, I press on to know the Lord more. Oh, I want to know the Lord. I want to experience the glory of God in everything that is happening to your life right now. I bet you, I tell you, I tell you, the only thing you need, the greatest thing you need is the glory of God shining. Oh, hallelujah. The glory of God to be, to be caught up, to be, to be lost in the beauty and the majesty. When you behold beauty, when you behold grandeur and glory time you don't you don't really think of time anymore you're just lost you're just lost in that vision oh show me now your glory show me now your glory come on worship with us church you Stand are up the word at the beginning oh jesus the glory of god born with god Oh, glory. You're heaven, glory, oh, and yes. creation. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Come on, get lost. Christ, my Get lost King. in the glory and the what a beautiful the name it is, nothing compares Behold, to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you Your love is greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. And nothing comes to this what a wonderful name on, it is the Be name Lord. of Jesus what a wonderful Woo. name it Hallelujah. is the name of Jesus and death could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the
can stand against what a powerful name it is oh the name of jesus what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a powerful Nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us in today's episode and we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you and give you peace. Shalom. God bless you.